0: If you're a leader or an aspiring leader in the business of lifelong learning, you're in the right place. I'm Salisa Steele.
1: And I'm Jeff Cobb. And this is The Leading Learning Podcast. Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 120 of The Leading Learning Podcast. In this episode, we talk with Tracy King and Aaron Wallowick. Tracy is the founder of Inspired Ed and she is well versed in education strategy, technology and learning design. And Aaron is a learning strategist and founder of EventGuard, a professional development consultancy. Together, they're co-authors of an ebook on learner engagement. But before we get to the interview with Aaron and Tracy, we want to acknowledge our sponsor for the first quarter of 2018. We're
0: very happy to have Blue Sky eLearn sponsoring this quarter. Blue Sky is the maker of the PATH Learning Management System, an award winning cloud based learning solution that empowers your organization to maximize its message. Blue Sky also provides a range of virtual event and instructional services to help you maximize your content and create deeper engagement with your audience. To find out more about Blue Sky eLearn and everything it has to offer, visit blueskyelearn.com.
1: For the resource for this episode, we're going to point to an e-book by Tracy King and Aaron Walowick called Engaging Learners, A Guide to Successfully Designing Engaging Learning. It's a useful read, and the tactics, tips, and traps near the end are particularly practical. To find out how to access the ebook, go to the show notes for this episode at leadinglearning.com episode 120. Now, Salisa, could you give us a bit of a preview of what you and Tracy and Aaron talk about? Absolutely.
0: Tracy and Aaron are both fun, very intelligent in sort of all things learning, but we focused our conversation on learner engagement because that's the the topic of this latest ebook that they've co-authored. We talk about what learner engagement is, but just as importantly, we talk about what it isn't because part of what they're on a mission to do is debunk the myth conception that uh, learner engagement is getting learners to participate in an activity or contribute to discussion. We also talk about how to prime learners for engagement, and I ask each of them for their top takeaway, what they hope that you, dear listener, will take away from hearing this conversation about the concept and practice of learner engagement.
1: Well, engagement certainly is one of those terms that's had a lot of buzz around it uh, in recent years in, in the whole field of learning. I know a lot of organizations are striving for it, and I know Tracy and Aaron are very engaging people themselves, so it's nice to have them bringing some clarity to this topic. So let's go ahead and enroll this interview with Tracy King and Aaron Wallowick.
0: Hello out there. I'm Salisa Steele, and this is the Leading Learning Podcast. And today I'm joined by not one but two interviewees: Tracy King and Aaron Wallowick. Tracy is founder of Inspired Ed, deeply immersed in education strategy, technology, and learning design. Aaron is a learning strategist and meetings coach for trade associations and individual membership societies and the founder of EventGuard, a professional development consultancy. And Tracy and Aaron are the co-authors of an ebook called Engaging Learners. And that's what we're going to talk more about shortly. But first, Aaron, Tracy, let me say welcome to the Leading Learning Podcast.
2: Thanks, Alyssa. Thanks so much for having us
0: so since my uh, introductions of you both were brief to start off I'd like to give you a, a chance to say a little bit more about yourself your background your work um, Tracy would you would you go first
3: sure you know, I'm really interested in what it takes to advance the industries that we represent as professional associations and trade associations everything from priming the pipeline to developing a sustainable and revenue generating business around you know the kind of continuing education program that programming that truly develops mastery, because that's what sets us apart in um, our competitive marketplaces. So um, once upon a time, um, way back when, I started out in academia as a communications professor and since have worked with corporations and nonprofits on workforce development and continuing education, and education is just my passion. So I'm glad to be here and um, be here with my partner in crime, Erin Walwick. <laughs>
0: well, with that, Aaron, tell us a little bit more about yourself.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I'd be happy to. So Tracy and I have some unique connections. I also have had an opportunity to do some teaching, uh, though mine was um, related to American Sign Language, so that's probably a topic for another time and another day. Um, But I've also had the opportunity to work for a number of years in a standalone state trade association, healthcare, um, and really today sort of see myself focusing in three main pillars. Um, that, That would be the latest research and trends on learning and really focused on what it takes to create and generate a really intentional learning environments. Um, thinking about networking and what it means to have meaningful networking opportunities and, and activities, uh, both within the context of our educational programming, but also in between educational sessions at conferences, meetings, and events. And lastly, um, you know, really what we're here to talk about today, thinking about the transfer and application of uh, learning and new takeaways to the workplace and, and not being content or satisfied with sort of stopping uh, at the conclusion of an educational conference or program um, with that ending maybe keynote session, but really thinking about what it what it's going to look like to apply new strategies, new techniques, new ideas, new takeaways to the workplace. and and that's really I think what brings us here together today. and we very much look forward to chatting more about the ebook.
0: Yes, definitely. So I think that's the the perfect uh, segue. And I'm glad to have you both here um. Because in addition to just being smart, fun people, you did co-author this ebook, Engaging Learners, a Guide to Successfully Designing Engaging Learning. So Tracy, tell us a little bit about the origins of this project. What, what sparked it? What got you and Aaron interested in learner engagement and then what led to this publication?
3: Yeah, absolutely. You know, Aaron and I are both really passionate about crafting meaningful learning experiences, the kind where learning actually happens. And we've had a lot of conversations um, over the years about influencing a shift in association education from unilateral information delivery to transformational learning experiences and design. And we from our vantage point as you know um, being former staff of associations, being consultants in this space, we see the obstacles, but we also see the incredible opportunity. But how to bridge that, right? So the real impetus for this project came um, one day while we were both sitting in the back of a session next to each other, and the presenters were relaying engagement strategies to the audience. And we kind of turned to each other and poked each other, and we, you know we just kind of whispered, is that right? really engagement? Is that how we fix, you know, this thing that, you know, we keep having these conversations about? And that's really the moment when we got serious about offering some clarification about what learning engagement actually is so that then we can craft intentional experiences um, that do engage learners, that do lead to actual skill and knowledge development and we um, first designed a survey to flush out both the understandings and misunderstandings within our community, and that really inspired a rich resource that um, we developed into an ebook to
0: share with the community. Well, great! And so I love that you're in the the back of a room poking each other it leads to this <laughs> ebook, and it really is a great uh, resource. I really like, especially the some of those um, tactics and, and tips and traps at the end makes it very. Um, practical in terms of application. But before we go too much further, I mean, I feel like we've got to kind of um, address the, the elephant in the room, which is, you know, learner engagement. What, what does that mean? So, Erin, could you talk a little bit about how you define and describe learner engagement?
2: Yeah, I'd be happy to. And I think, you know, before we dig into, like, the definition and the real meat of what we mean when we talk about learner engagement, I think it's important to sort of pump the brakes for a moment and talk about what we don't mean. I think that as learning professionals, uh, many of us in our very busy sort of worlds within our organizations, um, we're very eager to get on to the next event, to the next meeting, the next conference, um, the next project, and we look often to sort of um, quick opportunities and quick wins that uh, wouldn't it be easy or wonderful to have sort of a checklist of, of things that we could just give to speakers and say, do one or more of these things and you would be doing engagement. And mm. oftentimes what sort of populates that checklist um, in, in our experience are things that maybe aren't engagement at all. Things like, you know, activities. You know, if you just have an activity in your education session, you must have engagement. Or, you know, if you just turn to your neighbor and talk about something, that engagement must be happening. And I think what, what we found in our research um, is that that is sort of the... the misconception is that um, if we just do one or more of these things, we have learner engagement. I think what Tracy and I tried to do is offer an alternative to that. Um, certainly not as easy as that checklist, uh, but maybe, uh, maybe more intentional, maybe more thoughtful. And, and we think that learner engagement really comprises sort of three areas or three sections. And first is really that active partnership that you can't just do something to learners. Um, speakers really need to have a partnership with learners. And And so thinking about um, how speakers and learners partner to kind of add on um, this this new learning to something that they maybe already have. Um, That part two is really uh, then about personalizing content. So um, I like to always say that simple exposure to new content isn't enough. That isn't the end goal. That If we're really going to create learner engagement, that that we need to help learners personalize new information, new content, new strategies. strategies to their own environment, to their own challenges, and see uh, within their own context how they might um, reconfigure it or apply it in a new and innovative way um, to really help solve a solution um, that that they're currently facing. And lastly is this idea around application and behavior change. I think that Tracy and I spent some time thinking about this sort of third category, third pillar. um, And I think that we feel very strongly that in order to have learner engagement, that learners need to be to sort of taking this new information to their workplace, um, to changing um, themselves and their practice in some sort of meaningful way. It doesn't necessarily have to be a monumental shift, but it's this sort of uh, even micro-tweak or micro-transformation uh, that will help them um, do something in a new, potentially innovative way, whether it's to save money or time or resources or whether it's to be more efficient or effective, um, but really that is sort of when you get to that stage in, in application and behavior change is when we've identified sort of that, that true learner tr- true learning has happened, that the sort of learner engagement cycle has concluded.
0: Well that's great. So there the, are these kind of three parts of, of learner engagement, the that active partnership, that personalization piece, and and then that application piece. And and I know that in the ebook you quote from make it stick and and I've had the pleasure of interviewing one of the authors, Peter Brown, for this podcast. And um, it's a book we usually emphatically recommend. Um, and the the part that you quote is, the responsibility for learning rests with every individual. And I know we here at Tagoras have been um, really kind of preaching, promoting um, for a while learner responsibility. And I know it's something you both believe in too. Um, and that it's this critical part of, of learner engagement. So... Tracy, any suggestions for how learning providers and facilitators and, and speakers can prime learners to assume the responsibility that they have for their own learning? Yeah, I think there are, are
3: several things we can do. <clears throat> like, we start by designing learning experiences with a target audience in mind. What mm-hmm. brains do we want to attract to this room? I mean, I, you know, often we'll reference the fact that Crest has 50 types of toothpastes for (laughs) all of our teeth cleaning needs, right? Um, One size doesn't fit all for learning either. Mm. Um, And, you know, as our learners are at different levels and they require different content sophistication in order to continue to develop their knowledge and skill in in a particular area. So first we have to understand our audience so that we can design for our audience. And in the ebook I offer, um, a metaphor of a content knowledge high rise within every brain. And thinking about that can help us consider where our learners are on their journey of mastery. And then, you know, once we've done that, we really need to clearly communicate the intended objectives and in the learner um, level for each session and course so that we can help our learners better self sort into the opportunities that would benefit them the most. Um, and while we're at that, we should also communicate that. We're partners with them in their learning journey, their learning journey, and that we're not doing a conference or a course to them, as Mm -hmm. Erin just said. (laughs) Um, But they're here to confer. They're here to learn. They're here to network and to try to apply new knowledge and skills. Um, Something that I I love to also recommend is whenever you can, when, um, you know, it it works with the learning pathways that you're offering, um, give learners something to think about or consume or self-assess themselves in advance mm-hmm. of the experience. So that you're you're priming them for where the conversation is going to pick up. Um, it's a really effective way of um, for brains to get their antennas up and, and to be ready to, to dig in. Um, another thing that we offer in this book, we just really want to challenge um, associations to choose interactive learning formats that actually support learning objectives. And by mm-hmm. doing that, we're shifting learners from a passive to an active learning mode, which is critical. Mm-hmm. So they know by the very set of the room that they're in or by the online learning environment that they're in, that this isn't a passive sit back and take it in situation. We're actually going to do some learning. Mm-hmm. Um, so those choices also signal, mm-hmm. I have to be an active participant here. And you know, at the end of the day, we have to realize that it's our responsibility to create an environment that's conducive to learning, to design an experience that supports the objectives that we've set forth. But the learner has to choose to be in it to win it with us, right? We, we have to be okay with that, that our role is to facilitate learning. And um, if we've prepared that environment and, um, um, and designed an experience that can accomplish that, then the learner has to bring the rest to that equation.
0: So, so you might not win everyone over. <laughs> you when, might not. Yeah. <laughs> so, Great. Well, so and Tracy, you began or you mentioned um, you know uh, this this metaphor um, of, of the high rise that, that you guys use, but but you also use kind of this manufacturing versus construction um, metaphor for learning throughout the ebook. Um, Aaron, would you talk a little bit about that that difference between manufacturing and, and construction and, and what that means in terms of learning and the way you guys uh-huh. were using it?
2: Yeah, I would be happy to. Um, it was, I think, an interesting aha moment as Tracy and I sort of mm-hmm. um, came together um, to have this sort of writing retreat. Um, as we were talking aloud and sort of um, brainstorming and and writing and sort of reflecting throughout our couple of days when we came together in person, um, was that we really sort of um, circled around or swirled around the sort of manufacturing versus construction metaphor and. Um, You know, I sort of rely on my dad um, to remind me what manufacturing is as a, as a, Chrysler guy. I'm from Michigan, um, specifically from the Metro Detroit area. My dad worked for Chrysler. And, you know, as my dad sort of worked on the line, um, you know, from a very young age and throughout his career, um, he was very um, focused on stamping out um, car parts, right? It was very mass production. Um, It didn't necessarily matter um, who the parts were going to or who was going to even purchase the car, but everything was kind of um, same old, same old. Everything sort of looked the same and everything was stamped out exactly the same. And and to the extent that, um, you know, quality control was really about how things were similar versus how they were different Um, versus the sort of construction mentality. And, you know, as I think about construction, I think more and more about how, you know, even as I grew up, more and more of my friends and and family friends and such were really building their own homes. It was no longer about sort of purchasing, um, you know, something that was in a neighborhood that looks like what everyone else had, but really this idea of, um, you know, finding the land, um, figuring out how this sort of structure would be unique and fit our specific unique needs um, that the audience or client was known. And so this, this sort of metaphor was born. And so as we think about manufacturing learning experiences, these are really um, events that resemble one another. One another it's sort of one after another, and we sort of plug and chug that form and function um, you know are essentially the same there's no defined mission really there's no defined audience, or if there is a defined audience it's very broad the membership or you know an entire <laughs> stakeholder category and so um, you know we're not really setting ourselves up for success when we manufacture learning it's not about how many events we can um, churn out, but really how can we um, identify the specific um, audiences we have and their specific needs, and then build or or architect, you know, really an experience upon that. So as we think about constructing learning experiences, we're really talking about, you know, identifying who our audience is, really understanding and articulating their personas, really understanding what the mission statement for that event is, setting learning goals accordingly, building learning engagement on top of that, and really um, defining a unique value late an experience for our members and so you know I think it's just a, a good opportunity to pause and check in with ourselves you know if we're really about plugging and chugging and churning out one after another after another um, is that really a value to our members and to our learners and is that really supporting moving our industries forward um, or rather should we you know pump the brakes and, and pause for a moment to think about um, what it might look like to construct learning experiences that are really unique and in innovative and fulfill a specific niche
0: and need. Well, so great. Thank you for going more into to detail around that manufacturing versus construction distinction. And, and I've heard you both now uh, in the time that we've been talking here, you know, mention this idea of really needing to understand uh, your audience and who you're trying to serve with a particular um, learning experience. And, and so um, I, I know you guys don't go into it in a whole lot of detail in in the uh, engaging uh, learners um uh, ebook, but you do mention um, learner personas. So, you know, Tracy, could you talk a little bit about how uh, learner personas can be developed, and then how they can um, feed into the work of engaging learners?
3: Absolutely, this is so important, and um, you know, understanding your audience is a, a core step in any learning design. Um, project or process. And so for us to pause and take the opportunity to really understand who we're targeting with a program is fundamental to designing the right program. And, you know, I often will will tell my colleagues and clients that, you know, if you work for an association, your marketing and membership teams probably have a head start on you. (laughs) They probably have already started to develop personas for your primary and secondary audiences that you can begin to leverage so that you understand how does this segment prefer to engage with us? And where is this audience segment in their career journey so that you can begin to target and hone in on how can we best meet their needs in this moment? And, um, you know, to add to what we talked about earlier, how critical it is that we understand the level of the learner that we're designing an experience for, because one size does not fit all. Um, And that's also a big part of your learner persona, When I'm working with associations that are interested in expanding their programming online or auditing current online programs that seem to be missing the mark, I ask them this question. It's a little tongue-in-cheek, but it's important. I ask them, what's the tech profile of your target learners on a scale from comfy to terrified? Right, And that opens up a clarifying conversation for us about who are we targeting with this online learning experience and what types of support are they going to need so that they feel at home accessing digital digital courses and content? Because here's the deal. Understanding the profile of our target learner helps us design an experience that inspires this powerful response. This is for me. You know me. You thought of me and you designed this for me. That's what's going to keep our learners coming back again and again. That drives loyalty among our target customer bases, and that's going to differentiate us in our, our competitive markets. So that's just, in a nutshell, why understanding our personas and targeting programs to those learner personas are so vital.
0: And so it sounds like you were mentioning, you know, marketing and membership may have um, sort of a head start here. There may be uh-huh. some personas that already exist in the organization that then could sort of be, I guess, leveraged and and maybe deepened to also kind of apply to the the learning portfolio of the organization.
3: Exactly. And when you start thinking from a a profile perspective, you start asking a different level of question, right? Versus Instead of, have you registered for a a program? Now you want to know some different things so that you know how to position programs to meet their needs. And so, we we ask better questions so that we have the appropriate data to really flesh out who our audiences are.
0: Mm, Great. So, you know, you guys... um... You poked. Started by poking each other in the back of a room. You you went out <laughs> and did the research. Um, you've put out the ebook now. Um, I would just be interested in hearing from from each of you. Um, you know what's one of the the top takeaways you would like um, for listeners to have around learning engagement after they've um, you know heard this conversation. Um, and Aaron, would you
2: start us off there? I am so thankful that I get to start. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to take all the best answers. (laughs) I'm going to take the best one, Tracy. I think that you know. I think what Tracy and I would would honestly say in unison, um, and that's why I'm excited I get to answer first, <laughs> um, is to start the conversation. I think that you know, if we if if we're going to wait um, as a learning professional, as a learning organization, if we're going to wait for that perfect opportunity, if we're going to wait for the time when there isn't something that's um, a pressing issue, if we're going to wait for the time when we've convened all the right stakeholders, if we're going to wait for the time, you know. And fill in the blank. Um, There's never going to be the perfect time, and we're never going to have or start that conversation. And so, um, you know, our our real hope is that folks will um, share the ebook with anyone in their organization who, who, might find it interesting, whether it be education committee members, or fellow staff members, or board members, or speakers, or subject matter experts, or learners, or whomever, um, and, and just start the conversation. I think um, you know identifying early on um, what people find interesting or what they don't find interesting, um, and at least starting there, because I think that you know the ebook provides a number of um, quick start options to get people down the path, down the journey, um, closer to engagement, um, then than they've started. I think that this is one of those journeys um, to which you never find the end. It's not as though you know you follow the yellow brick road and magically you've arrived at the Emerald City, but rather it's a conversation, it's an ongoing conversation that needs to be had. And, and the more people who come to the table having some basic or fundamental information uh, based upon our research and our interviews and our own thinking, um the, the livelier and the more emphatic and the more um productive a conversation folks can have and so uh, you know really my my um my takeaway here is really to find a place to start the conversation and see where it leads you mm-hmm.
3: and you know the only thing i would add to that is that engagement is possible mm-hmm. um something that aaron and i noticed in so many comments in the survey is that there's a an overwhelmed feeling uh, among the, the you know, learning professionals in the association industry that I know that I need to make a program more engaging, but it just feels overwhelming to get my arms around this and to actually affect change. And, you know, we're just here to say this is possible. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got a definition. We've got a direction. There are concrete steps you can take now, now that you understand what it is, in order to trigger engagement. And, and also, there's help. We're right here. <laughs> and uh you know jeff and and you also salissa offer so much insight into developing um engaging programming um that really drives learning and and you know like Aaron said, just jump into the conversation because we can take this forward together
0: well great um and, and so um I'll ask you, you know sort of saying you know that the top um um, takeaway for listeners, which is, it sounds like it's the message that, you know, this is possible, and so go out there and start the conversation. Did did either of you have any um, ahas or sort of, um, uh, you know, self-discovery, you know, a, a takeaway from you from this project, something that you didn't necessarily um, believe or understand going into it? Um, Tracy, anything that sort of surprised you as you worked through the project? Um, you know, I would
3: say... Um, you know, some of the biggest surprises were in the um, survey data that you know we did expect that there would be some misunderstandings. But you know, harkening back to what I just said,, um, some of the reticence and and a major obstacle in moving moving forward is just understanding what next step to take, just so that we know we're taking the right one in the right direction to actually impact um, our programming and and so that you know really stirred a passion in Erin and I to ensure that we weren't just offering concepts and amazing ideas because mm-hmm. they are all amazing, <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but also some. Real practical next steps, some you know pro moves for infusing your your um, learning uh, sessions and online learning with meaningful interaction. That's why we have the the tips and traps. We want to offer you the trip tip, but be sure you don't do this, mm-hmm. right? Um, so that we we don't fall in traps. We understand why we're incorporating these these interactions. So we wanted a balance of both, to answer this need and the questions and the concerns so everyone understands why they're doing what they're doing so they can design with intention. But also, there are just such easy first steps that that, um, we can take together. So I guess, um, you know, coming full full circle, just understanding that um, we're in this together and there's actual just really practical next steps that we can accomplish. Great.
0: Aaron, anything you want to add in terms of any sort of surprises or anything you sort of learned along the way that you haven't already had a chance to share?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think the one thing that I would add to this conversation um, is just this idea of, mimicry, Um, it came up in our research and in our interviews that um, learners, speakers, um, even learning professionals um, and other stakeholders who have been in the learning industry and space for a really long time, who have the opportunity occasionally to sit in on someone else's program to be a learner themselves, kind of um, see sometimes glimpses of learner engagement in action. Um, and they know that they like it. They're drawn to it or they're attracted to it in some sort of way. Um, but instead of taking the time or opportunity to understand why that, that thing that they were so attracted to, that they were so drawn to that they responded so well to in an education program, um, instead of understanding why it works, um, they, they sometimes just kind of scroll it away and try to replicate it within the context of their own programming. And um, it's kind of a crapshoot as to whether or not those activities or that engagement or that thing works. Um, mm-hmm. And that's because we're sort of Thank <laughs> trying to mimic someone else, but we don't necessarily understand um, what that thing is rooted in, what the underlying theory is, the underlying why it works. And so we would just encourage folks, yes, have the conversation, uh, but also sort of be be, um, on guard so as not to fall into some of the traps that we outline in the ebook. because simple mimicry does not learner engagement make. You really have to understand sort of the theory and the why something works in order for it to be successful in any context
0: yeah Mm -hmm. that's great so i think the 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 two comments you both shared there fit together so nicely because like Mm -hmm. you're saying aaron the just picking something up and lifting it from one context and placing it into another it might produce Mm -hmm. learning engagement in one situation but not in the other and and then Mm -hmm. i mean that's what those tips and uh Traps uh, in the ebook also mm-hmm. make so so clear is that you can sort of have the same activity happening, and in one case it can actually produce this this great um, fertile mm-hmm. environment for learner engagement, and this other case it can actually sort of shut it down or mm-hmm. or at least sort of fall flat if not totally uh-huh. shut it down. Absolutely. So uh, I'm going to turn to the next to last question, and this is um, one that we ask of everyone we interview on on the Leading Learning podcast, and it focuses on your own personal learning. Um, And so I want you each to to tell us a little bit about um, one of the most powerful learning experiences you've been involved in as an adult since finishing your formal education. And um, Tracy, I'm going to have you go first this time as well. All right. Um, You know, a recent and very um,
3: powerful learning experience that um, I've been involved in was the Kirkpatrick four-level certification program. Mm. I was so impressed. It was facilitated virtually with a series of live virtual sessions over a period of months. And I am not typically drawn to virtual learning scenarios, but um, as a matter of convenience and um, because of just, you know, um, the prestige of these speakers, it's like, okay, I'll give this a try. But, you know, the sessions were designed to present key content, to facilitate conversation around how I could personalize and apply that content. And then we were given exercises that were not easy. (laughs) I'm shaking Mm. my head vigorously. (laughs) We really had to struggle and wrestle with the content. Um, And then that struggle was followed by feedback, a feedback loop at the beginning of the next session. So that progression from, here's a concept, how can you use this, now wrestle with it. We're not gonna stop at, that sounds good and that could probably work. But now you actually have to, you know, in a case-based scenario, work it out. Right. And then get feedback was just so powerful. And each of those case-based assignments then that we completed culminated in um, a larger assignment that we had to create as a part portfolio project and because we had been practicing the entire time with every single exercise and every single conversation we had developed the experience that we needed to design a four level evaluation plan for the for a real organization it, it could not be you know uh, just a case it had to be for an organization we were working for or with and um so, you know, that assignment was evaluated, and if a student didn't hit the mark, they had opportunity for one-on-one coaching so that they could refine and try again, and you know, but it was truly a, a skill-based credential then, because when I left, I didn't just know something mm-hmm. more about learning evaluation. I now feel confident in developing um, and designing effective evaluation strategies and tools. So that, for me, by far, has been one of the most meaningful and powerful learning experiences.
0: Wow, that does sound very powerful and and very applicable, obviously, to, to your work. Um, yes, Aaron, how about you? What's been one of your most powerful learning
2: experiences? Yeah. um, So, one that I'd like to sort of raise up and pull forward today is um, one that I actually get to help facilitate. Um, Every January with the Michigan Society of Association Executives, I get to teach um, a course on professional development for the Academy of Association Management. and This uh, coursework happens in 11 modules over the course of a year, um, and it's really full for entry to mid-level professionals who are um, interested in furthering their association career, it's kind of a feeder into um, the CAE coursework for those who, who are interested in that. And um, One of the things that I love about having the opportunity to pull the information and resources together for that course and to actually facilitate it is um, I, I, get, I get a month. And so we start out a couple of weeks before the course to identify a number of key readings um, both sort of textbook, um, but also uh, very current and relevant readings related to learning education and professional development. Um, and and uh, sort of as we think about learner engagement, really begin to develop that active partnership um, with our participants. Um, On site then, we have three and a half hours to dig into the content. And what I love about that opportunity is we have I have much more content to facilitate than I actually generally have time to facilitate <laughs> because folks are so engaged that I sort of uh, plug in and plug out of modules based upon kind of the flow of the participants in the room. They get to sort of come with their current workplace challenges in professional development and sort of based upon uh, their experiences, their questions, things that interest and pique their um, uh, their interest, we sort of um, uh, build class around them in real time. And so I really do get to personalize the content. And for me, that keeps me on my Toes. It isn't just a static um, presentation in which we're kind of rolling from one activity and one piece of content to the next, but we're really kind of um, uh, choosing our own adventure based upon the needs of the group. Um, And and lastly, um, you know, our, our professional development module doesn't end until two weeks after the course, where they get to pick one of five different learning experiences to try out within the context of their workplace. And so this, again, idea of application behavior change kind of rings true and we're able to kind of practice what we preach. And I'm mm-hmm. able to provide feedback and really partner with them in ways that I just can't do um, in the context of a lot of the presentations that I give on a regular basis, whether they're um, in an online environment or whether they're face-to-face, I just generally am not able to develop that level of uh, partnership with um, learners. And I just love that so much. I have people that come back to me, you know, years afterwards and, and talk about that experience and how it's changed their lives. And, and for me, that's just so powerful and impactful. Um, and it's, uh, you know, one of the things that I really enjoy doing each year.
0: Well, that's great, and I like that uh, you each shared um, Tracy from from the perspective of of the participant, the learner. Um, Aaron from the the standing in the in the shoes of the facilitator. But obviously, you know, like we're saying, it's it's there's this active partnership. So both of those uh-huh. pieces are, are key to the learning. So that's great to have those both sides represented in your answers. And so. My final question is just if if listeners want to know more about you and your work and I'll I'll say we'll make sure to include a link to the ebook in the show notes but if they want to know more about you and more about your work where should they go Aaron?
2: Certainly, Um, uh, they should visit me on our website at eventguard.com. That's event, G-A-R-D-E.com. I'll also just say, I won't say a lot, uh, but I'll say that Tracy and I will have a pretty big announcement later this year. And so folks should stay tuned um, as um, we'll have a greater opportunity to partner with uh, learning professionals and speakers within the space of learner engagement.
0: All right. There's a teaser for us. All right. uh, So Tracy, though, how about for you, if people want to know more about you and your work, where should they go?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Look
3: me up at inspired-ed.com or tracy-king.com. And you can find both Aaron and I in social media as well. So uh,
0: connect with us for sure. Well, great. Thanks so much for your time today. I really enjoyed the conversation. Thank you, Tracy. Thank you, Aaron. Thank Thank you you so much.
1: That wraps up our interview with Tracy King and Aaron Wallowick. To get the show notes for this episode, just go to leadinglearning.com slash episode 120. And there you'll be able to find a link to the Engaging Learners ebook, the resource that we highlighted for this episode.
0: And while you're viewing those show notes, you will see various options for subscribing to the podcast. And if you're getting value out of what you hear, we would be truly grateful if you would subscribe.
1: We'd also be grateful if you'd take just a minute to give us a rating on iTunes. Just go to leadinglearning.com slash iTunes. We appreciate your doing it. Helps us know you are getting value out of the podcast, and it also helps others to find the podcast.
0: And we'd also be grateful if you would take a minute to visit our sponsor for this quarter, Blue Sky eLearn. We put a lot of work into producing and delivering the Leading Learning Podcast. And one of the reasons we're able to do that is because of the support of sponsors like Blue Sky. So please visit them at blueskyelearn.com. In addition to finding out about their services, you'll find a variety of great resources that they offer for free.
1: Finally, do consider telling others about the podcast. And we've made that very easy to do. All you have to do is go to leadinglearning.com slash share, and that will pop up a tweet that you can send out that's already got some language in it. And if tweeting isn't your thing, you can just take that language and pop it into LinkedIn or Facebook or whatever social network you prefer. But do help spread the word.
0: Thanks again, and see you next time on the Leading Learning Podcast.